the wormhole, probably about to burn. In the white tunnel, are you ever gonna learn? See a land, probably gonna merge. Gonna be dead laying in the dirt. Funny how you smart, but you still a nerd. What is up, IDP Army? It is Jordan Reigns here with you at 50 Shades of Drunk. And I am with a special guest today, Samuel Wallace from Rotoviz. And we have a pretty fun episode of the IDP 411 for you. We are going to be doing an intro to IDP fantasy football kind of a open table discussion. So, uh, Sam, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on. I was uh, a little nervous jumping on to talk about IDP when we were kind of floating this idea around because I don't know anything about IDP. But like as you and I were kind of talking off air prior to the show, I think this will be kind of cool, and hopefully, like you had mentioned, um, kind of get this format out in front of a lot of people who maybe you know have heard of IDP, kind of know that it's kind of the next big thing maybe coming in fantasy football and don't know a lot about it, but maybe kind of know which questions to ask and at least kind of know where to start. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, it should be awesome. Yeah, we uh, we'd, we had originally kind of talked about maybe talking content creation ideas because we know there's a lot of people in the space. We listen to each other's shows and, you know, it's always good to hear behind the scenes, uh, you know, a talk shop, which we did before the show, too. Yeah. Uh, and which is awesome. But we decided at the end of the day that this this show could probably help more people come into the IDP community. And uh, Sam is awesome enough to uh, play the layman in IDP for me. And he's going to hit me with some of the uh, the bigger questions that a lot of new people coming into IDP fantasy football might have. Maybe things that they're intimidated by and just like, you know, kind of help them get their bearings coming into the space. So he was gracious enough to say, you know what, I, I, I accept that I don't know anything, but that's an opportunity to learn something. And I think we're going to have a, a good discussion here about IDP fantasy football and hopefully uh, help more people come into the space, like I said, and feel educated and ready to go win a league. So I guess I'm going to turn it over to Sam now. He's going to kind of play the moderator and kind of hit me with some questions, and I'm going to try to break it down for him. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully for all of you listening out there who know nothing about you know IDP, trust me, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I, I threw Jordan some questions you know prior to the show to kind of get our bearings. So we have these questions kind of lined up, but anything that comes from this is is you know general or you know genuine curiosity on my part. Um, so when I was thinking about IDP, you know, I, I thought about it for a second in the sense that I feel like I know as much about IDP as like your average person who doesn't play fantasy football knows about like the NFL. Like I know big names on defense, um, but that's about it. Like, you know, your average person who doesn't follow football can still probably list off like people that play in the NFL, people they've seen like in commercials or heard on the radio or things like that. Like that's how I feel about IDP. And it's almost terrifying because I've been playing fantasy football for so long that I don't really have any like bearing on like what it is or the scoring. So kind of with that scoring in mind, um, I feel like that's what everybody always wants to know is like, how do you score IDP? Like, where do your points come from? You know, is it different by position on defense? Um, I'm assuming certain things are worth more than others. So like, how do you get points? Because everyone wants to rack up points. Yeah. At the end of the day, you want to know if that thing that just happened is going to help you go over the top. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really uh, comes down to your a lot of some leagues have a lot of things they score. Some don't. Some will have three or four things like maybe some leagues will have just re just tackles, just passes defended and just sacks. That's just three things. So your scores on defense are not going to get high. Good IDP leagues, though, that score appropriately are usually going to have a variety of ways for a defensive player to score. So usually and what I encourage is a scoring system called IDP one, two, three scoring, which I'll talk about later. But the the things that they score within that are assisted tackles, solo tackles. So that's any time that a defensive player makes a stop on offense, the offense, uh, a pass defended or quarterback hit, tackles for loss, sacks, 
forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, interceptions, those are your kind of your bread and butter plays on defensive. And then you'll also have, uh, you know, defensive touchdowns, safeties, blocked kicks, and some leagues will score those. So that's kind of those are usually the things that you will see scored. Some leagues will have all of those. Some leagues will not have quarterback hits. Some leagues may uh, not have uh, safeties included because they're such a rare occurrence that they just kind of forget to put them in there. Things like that. So those are usually your scoring plays. And then it really just comes down to how you decide to weigh them. Uh, I know before we came on, I sent you uh, like I sent you an example of a couple of scoring. I sent you the IDP one two three scoring, which I'll just go ahead and break that down real quick. IDP one two three scoring is a unified scoring system, so that means all the players are going to score the same amount of points per uh, action. There isn't a premium awarded per position. So a quarterback hit and assisted tackle is a one point play. Two point plays are solo tackles, tackles for loss. Three-point plays are forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, pass defended, safeties, and block kicks. And then you have a six-point play also, which would be a sack and interception, and then an IDP touchdown. Uh, that's the scoring that I recommend, and it's because of the fact that it's, you know, it is simple. It's one, two, and three-point plays. You kind of will be able to see and know what's happening. Uh, you know, you'll be like, okay, that's a pass deflected by Fred Warner, and I have Fred Warner. That's three points. It's pretty simple. Um, you don't have to think what position is he, because in premium leagues, and which in some fantasy football IDP leagues, they play with premiums, uh, which I'll kind of circle back around to. But uh, for example, of a, a different kind of scoring system is fantasy pros. Uh, fantasy pros, for instance, they don't include quarterback hits. So you'll have uh, so your guys get behind the line of scrimmage like your Aaron Donalds that get 30 quarterback hits a season. If they don't get counted, you know, that could be minus 30 points, depending on if your league scored that. Does that kind of all make sense? Yeah, kind of a follow up question to that. Um, so I know with like offensive scoring, that's just what I'm looking. You know, that's the lens I'm looking through this mm-hmm. kind of trying to like establish some sense of like continuity from what I know to establish something that I don't know. Um, it's like on, on offense, like it's, it's pretty clear cut. Like when things happen, when they don't like you get points for yards, you get points for catches, um, mm-hmm. points for touchdowns. Like it's pretty clear cut and dry. Is there any ever like discrepancy? Um, and like, I see like box scores, like, okay, this guy had like this many solo tackles, like, okay, if it's a true solo tackle, like, yep, that's pretty clear cut or like, okay, these two guys brought this guy down. Um, is there ever like a discrepancy between like how many guys can get like an assist tackle on a given play or like what constitutes a quarterback hit? Like, is it, you know, he kind of brushed his arm as he was throwing the ball. Is it, you know, he had to get knocked back, you know, onto the ground. I mean, to me as like someone who doesn't play IDP, like that feels gray in a, in a scoring area. It's like, so is it, or is it actually a lot more clear cut than that? Uh, that is actually a great question. And there is some, you know, some, it honestly depends on where you get your data. Cause you know, mm-hmm. there are a lot of different backend places that get data and a lot of some NFL d- data is different. Like for instance, um, PFF, they don't do half sacks. So in PFF, a guy's sack number will usually be higher because they just round up half sacks. Okay. So there is discrepancy, and it will depend on where your data source comes from. So MFL has their data source. Sleeper has their data source. So sometimes you will see uh, your league, and you'll say, oh, I had a tackle for loss in this. And then you'll go to an ESPN league with the same player, and it might be different. That that was actually an excellent question. And it, it does occur sometimes. Uh, I, I won't, you know, I won't lie to you. And that can be an issue and it does kind of bother some people. And, and But, you know, that's kind of the nature of the game. We do play an imperfect game. You know, that mm-hmm. uh, happens uh, when you have, uh, you know, adjustments at the end of the week and you were winning a game and you come back later and they adjust, you know, oh, this is actually a forced fumble for minus four yards. And all of a sudden you win, you know, 
It's an imperfect scoring adjustments are huge for some people. Oh yeah. I've won leagues and I've lost leagues on the back scoring adjustments, which Mm -hmm. is always uh, a thrill, (laughs) but uh, yeah, there's, you know, when you kind of talk about scoring too, just to circle back around that before we go move on, there are usually generic terms that a lot of people will talk about. They'll talk about big play scoring or they'll talk about tackle heavy scoring. And okay. The general overview of that is in a, in a big play scoring league, sacks are scored usually five or six or more. Uh, in a tackle heavy league, your sacks, for whatever reason, some people keep them to two or three even. So it really hurts defensive line players to be in a tackle-heavy league, and it boosts linebackers a lot. Traditionally, a lot of leagues that were started when IDP came around were tackle-heavy. So there is a lot of what I call like the old guard who play in leagues that are kind of tackle-heavy. Now, there has been a push by a lot of people to make a sack worth more than two or three points. And it, you know, it is getting more and more popular, which is helping the game become more fun because you hate to see a big play happen and go to see that it's not being, uh, you know, weighted appropriately the way that a big play, like a big Tyree kill touchdown is a monster play and it helps your team on in fantasy football. But when you have a strip sack force fumble and you're only getting five or six points because you're playing in a poorly set up league, that can hurt a lot of people and make them not want to play IDP. Yeah, so that's you, what. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well, I was, was going to say, do you, feel, of, um, um, do you feel that there's a? It, it sounds like you're you're really wanting a push to have like the actual like like what, what's constituted as like a big play like on the field like really for NFL to count like as such in fantasy. And I've kind of seen some people try to address that, you know, for like quarterback scoring, um, like for offense, like in the Scott Fishbowl this year, like they're really tweaking quarterback scoring this year, like penalizing incomplete passes. They're penalizing quarterbacks for sacks and things like that. Um, and like you said, it kind of sounds like, yeah, like why wouldn't a sack be worth more than just like a generic tackle in the open field? Because that's way more, you know, game changing to a drive that could end a drive, push somebody out of field goal range, something like that. Yeah. So is that kind of your big push then is to, make, is, you know, yeah, is to make reflective? the plays it makes the big plays matter. So like you said, uh, a tackle, it's it's a stop by the defense, but the offense have gone past the line of scrimmage. So that's mm-hmm. just a one or a two-point play. That's why I keep that low. And a quarterback hit, like you said, it's a semi-disruptive play, but it, maybe it was an incompletion, maybe it was a completion. Right. So, But I want it, you know, it is something that's looked at and statted out. So I think it's important to include it in IDP fantasy football. When you get to your three-point plays, you know, well, and I'll circle back to your tackle for loss too. That's a behind-the-line-of-scrimmage play. In sleeper, that play actually stacks, a solo tackle and a tackle for loss. So the true value of a tackle for loss is four points. So your first play behind the line of scrimmage is kind of where you go past that two-point threshold. Mm -hmm. You're actually moving the offense backwards, which is why I think it needs to be scored appropriately. And that kind of absolutely A sack is six points uh, because that is a – tackle for a loss behind the line of scrimmage of the quarterback it's like the you know it's the touchdown of the defense yep uh, and then the three-point plays are kind of your disruptive plays you know a forced fumble maybe it's a turnover maybe it's not so i make you know it's three points it's very disruptive mm-hmm. and it gives the an opportunity for a turnover fumble yep. recovery is a three-point play so that means you actually got the ball back i you know there is a there is a definitely an argument to bring that up a little bit because it is a recovery to the defense but for the purpose of idp one two three scoring to keep it simple and people's minds able to understand like uniformly understand oh that play means this many points yeah that's kind of the thought process you want to i want to take the learning curve out of it and make it less challenging Uh, the other three-point play is your pass defended which again 
was a play that stops the offense from moving forward. It should be scored appropriately. And that's one of my big beasts with fantasy pro scoring. Their pass deflections are only one and a half points, okay. which in a, in a monster season like this year, Stefan Gilmore had 20 pass deflections. That's only 30 points. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if that's such a big, meaningful stat and that meant so much for the Patriots defense, and you're telling me that's only worth 30 points in your IDP scoring system, that's not reflective of what happened on the field. And so you have to jack that up. Yeah. So that's why I've made it, you know, I'm trying to make this uniformed, understood, and help more people, you know, come into the game uh, with this kind of mindset. I will say, too, it, there is a, there's, there's two different kinds of leagues, too. There's three play position leagues. So you'll play with a defensive back, a defensive lineman, and a linebacker, which is how sleepers set up. And in the more traditional IDP leagues, though, you play with five positions defensive lineman, linebacker. Uh, cornerbacks, safeties, and then defensive tackles. Now, the reason you could, and I like the simplified system because it combines the edge rushers and the defensive tackles together. It mm-hmm. makes it easier. It's one less thing for you to have to learn, less of a position to address. And it's like, if I have a D tackle, great. I don't have to have a D tackle and I can play a D tackle in this spot though. Right. Same thing yep. with the defensive backs. You don't have to start a corner. You can start a safety or a corner. It just mesh the two positions because they kind of have not not necessarily similar roles, but they are defensive backs on the field. So just right. make meld the positions, and that's another thing that I'm a big fan of is making the learning curve less for people. Let them come into the the system learning three positions with a unified scoring system, and it, it's just it's actually it's so it's so much fun, man. It's it's wild to me that more people, but I understand why people don't though. My very first IDP league, it crushed me. I was watching and. I was so excited, and TJ Watt did this crazy thing, uh, and it, and it just didn't count for anything. And right. I was crushed, and I was like, "This can be fixed, though." And I was like, "This can be addressed. We can make this cool." Yeah. So that's awesome. All right. Um, the next thing I was kind of looking at um, as a, as an IDP newbie here was okay. Now that I have a bit of an understanding of how the scoring works and like what things to look for on the field that actually earn me points, when I think of like how I roster construct um an offensive or like a traditional fantasy football team of offensive skill players you know i'm always thinking of like different values of where i can get players in the draft so i'm kind of thinking of okay like what positions are deep and what positions are shallow so i'll kind of combine those two questions because like you know there's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the nfl like more will see the field over the course of the year but like on any given week like that's all you have to work with um you know every team's got a starting running back sometimes there's a committee we know how like top heavy, you know, tight ends are, but mm-hmm. then like wide receivers, there's so many. I mean, there's every team's got, you know, two, maybe three or more like viable fantasy wide receivers in any given week where, you know, you may not like having them in your lineup, but, you know, there, there's so much depth there. So does that kind of thought process play into IDP where there's positions that are maybe a little bit more top heavy? Or if you don't address them early in a draft, you're kind of left, you know, scrounging, you know, the bottom of the barrel. Or are there positions that, hey, you know, there's a lot of these playable players across their position that it's okay to maybe wait on those a little bit? Yeah, that's a great, you know, question. And having an analogy from one side of the ball to the other definitely can help. And the definitely the most saturated position or the, you know, the position that is closest to wide receiver is linebacker. Okay. Uh, most- teams have you know 32 teams most teams start on any given down two to three linebackers so you have 64 ish playable guys you know that are going to be on the field almost ever ever, almost close to 90 percent of snaps every week some people rotate in and out some guys play two down so there are other guys on the field so you know you really do have about 75 
playable-ish linebackers, but you only have about 30 to 40 guys you really want. Right. But linebacker yep. one is still a thought, like, you know, it's like a wide receiver one. There is an alpha on the team usually. But at any given week, you know, it could be Hopkins, it could be Fuller. Same right. kind of process with, you know, it could be Levante David or Devin White, both on the Buccaneers, both awesome linebackers. So that is the position that is the deepest by far. And then, um, you know, you, when you get to the the thinner positions, though, defensive back in my mind is probably the most top heavy because the cream of the crop guys really do kind of set themselves apart. Uh, the top end guys in IDP one, two, three scoring this year was Logan Ryan. He had 323 points. Uh, the guy who finished eighth had a hundred points less than him, basically. Oh, wow. So there was quite a big disparity then. Yeah. The top end guys, you know, and the drop off from Logan Ryan was about 25 points. And then you had Buda Baker and Eric Reed both had around 300. And then Jamal Adams, who missed a couple of games, was like 270. So Mm -hmm. that kind of gives you in that top end guys. And then the next drop off is about 40 points. You're getting down there closer to 200. So top end guys can hit 300, but there is a pretty big drop off, but it's a plateau. So you get into right. this area where I would rather have an elite guy or two elite guys because it gives you a positional advantage over guys who are playing players that might be a little more one-dimensional in their role. The it feels reason- kind of like tight end a little bit, where like yeah. you know, there's you you have like your top handful, and then like there's a drop, but then there's like a plateau of like tight ends, like five through ten, maybe could all be within a handful of points, but yep. it's a significant drop off from the top tier. Yep, and they could have a big week at any given time, just like anybody else, you know, yep. just like Cameron Brates of this world. <clears throat> I'll yep. take one interception, you know, one pick six, and, you know, your week is made. So that's probably the position that's close to that. And then for me, I like to compare defensive line to running backs. Uh, you know, the top tier is a little bigger, in my opinion, than it is for running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, running backs is kind of like the big three. And yep. I, I kind of – some people would make a case for the big three, but I kind of lump in the top five or six guys all together. Um, that kind of being Daniil Hunter, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, and then uh, Cameron Jordan. Those are kind of my top, top guys. I think I'm missing somebody right there. But those guys are That's all... Right. I wouldn't know if you are, so yeah. it's okay. <laughs> but those guys are all very comparable to running backs, you know? And then you kind of get to a drop-off. Then you get to guys that are on the field every down, but they're less likely to perform. So you're mm-hmm. talking about your running back that, you know, you're Naeem Hines. Like, he's going to be on the field, and maybe he gets a touchdown this week. So you have another guy playing opposite of this guy who's going to be on the field. Maybe he gets a, a sack this week. So he is a viable option. So it does plateau off similar, and you have other guys who are role players you can play, kind of like you can play a pass-catching running back or mm-hmm. a, a goal line running back. There are guys yep. that it's like, I know he's not going to be my one this week, but if he gets three touchdowns, he could be the one this week. Like yep. you, you have that with defensive line when you get down to some of your, you know, your smaller names like uh, you know Dante Fowler or Carlos Dunlap or Sam Hubbard. These guys scored. Let me check here. They're scoring around you know two hundred points. Uh, let's just give you a comparison. Nick Bosa in two thousand nineteen was a uh, defensive line fourteen. And we all know Nick Bosa. He's a great. He's gonna. He's gonna be the savior of IDP right there. That guy. Yep. He's gonna bring the heat. Uh, two hundred sixteen points in IDP one two three scoring. Now, if you compare him to uh, running backs, two hundred sixteen points. That would have put him in line with running back sixteen. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. So they oh, okay. scale very similarly. Yeah. As you go farther down on your running backs, you're scaling kind of very similarly the way you you scale with defensive line. So that's kind of how I compare those positions. 
So a lot of people like the top end guys, but there is a case to be made for like a zero DL strategy too. like wait, 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 and then get these guys running mates. You know, the the Robert Quinn to the Demarcus Lawrence, these guys who play opposite of each other. Yep. I, I like that because then it's man, my my head's just spinning here trying to like make a connection between what I know about offense now switching it to defense. You know, like he's kind of said, you know, the zero DL approach of like, hey, you know, you don't need a top guy, but if you load up on, you know relatively safe kind of stable floor guys are not going to be flashy but on any given week they could go off you know exactly. but their draft capital and their cost is way lower than you would spend on you know one of the top end guys yeah and then you can load up on you know double dip on uh, top end defensive backs get jamal adams and get landon collins you know yep or you know go the opposite way take darius leonard get that super you know darius leonard is he's the christian mccaffrey of defensive players mm-hmm he is far and away because he can do everything and he scores points the way that defensive backs score points, linebackers score points and defensive linemen score points. He does. I mean, he's, he's a, a positional advantage kind of like Lamar Jackson. So when you hear people yep. talk about Darius Leonard, be, believe the hype because he, he's the other guy that's going to save IDP and bring a lot of people into the game. Uh, so that's kind of, you know, he, but he is really in a tier of his own because linebacker, flattens out a lot quicker mm-hmm. than the other positions, but that's why it's wide receiver esque. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's deep. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see. Um, okay. Kind of got some scoring figured out, kind of have some, you know, positional understanding of, you know, what are positions I should attack for high end production? What's going to be a little bit maybe safer for me throughout. So like getting into the actual draft now. So this is where like, I would really, really struggle if I was in an IDP draft because I would just kind of be following or mimicking what everybody else did. Like I wouldn't know when to start taking players. So whether you're in a startup or a rookie draft or, you know, dynasty redraft, whatever. So you can kind of answer this however you want. Where do you start slotting in IDP guys? Like how early or don't you? I mean, like at what point do you get in your draft and say, like now's a good time where I'm actually going to have a stronger roster picking a defensive back here as opposed to like another running back for my team. So like, how does, how do those guys kind of filter in with your offensive draft? <clears throat> All right. That's, this is, this is where we're going to start to have fun because this yep. is where the game theory, actionable stuff comes into play. So in a well-designed IDP league, you're going to start eight to 12 players. Some, if a league has less than six, it's a novelty thing. I wouldn't even be concerned with drafting IDP players till very late. So that kind of brings up with the positional scarcity. So in a well-designed league, we're assuming that right now. So it's 8 to 12 starters Yep. with a good scoring system. Now, if you're playing in a tackle heavy, like we talked about earlier, where it's kind of suppressed, you're going to want to push this down three, four rounds because, again, you're not going to get the same amount. The scale is not going to be the same. It's going to actually yep. be better to continue stacking offense, which okay. is an anecdotal thing you will hear in the IDP community. But in a world where we're moving away from that and we're moving towards better scoring systems, the the consensus with a lot of the guys I've talked to and a lot of the drafts I've been in um, – it's pretty simple, honestly. You you kind of fill out your starting roster on offense because it's always going to be a little bit thinner on offense. It always will be. Okay. But you can safely take your first IDP players in generally rounds, and this is a startup or a redraft, five and six. Like if you get your two starting running backs, really wide receivers, it does make sense because because huh. of the scarcity at those positions by yep. then. It's do I want to get a bench player? Uh, you know, who's I don't know who's a good bench running back that's going right now. Oh, I don't know. Do I want to take Carlos Hyde? You know, you kind of get into that sixth, seventh round where it's just like, 
Well, Carlos Hyde's a bad example. Chris Carson, there's a good example. Okay, yeah, there we go. Little risk. Do I want Chris Carson on my bench, or do I want Nick Bosa in my starting lineup? Yeah, because Carson's mm-hmm. probably like your your RB three at that point. Exactly. Where he and might be a flex guy, but he wouldn't be in a running back slot. Exactly. And so you really, in a well-designed league where the scoring matters, it makes sense to continue building a starting lineup. And mm-hmm. with all these other positions to begin addressing, usually, you know, you go running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, you know, just for sake of argument. Right. And then you're crazy and you take Evan Ingram, which you shouldn't yep. do. In my opinion. <laughs> so then your next roundup, you know, somebody just took Darius Leonard right before you. And then Bobby Wagner went and Daniel Hunter. Yep. So the lot, they're starting to happen. I would consider it there. If, if you are not, well-versed in IDP, don't be ashamed to go take Miles Garrett with that next pick. Don't mm-hmm. be ashamed to take Joey Bosa and know that you at least have a name-brand guy. Because name-brand yep. guys, this is a game. They can still trade well. They can, you know, there's, it's like any other draft. It's multifaceted. You know, it's maybe he's on my team after week one. Maybe he's not, you know. Right. So you have to think about things like that. But you can safely start taking IDPs. And, I, you know, I usually wait till around six or seven. And my first player is usually a defensive lineman or a defensive back because I like to go with the kind of positional scarcity. Yep. And then I come back around and I'll usually be able to get a guy that's like the 16th to 18th linebacker taken that I'm comfortable with playing as my linebacker one because I'm going to get another guy around that area later. And with with the floor that they provide me, you know, I don't have to have that elite, elite guy. Do you find yourself in leagues with IDP players who – and I'll kind of use an offensive analogy. Like I'm usually more willing to wait on drafting certain positions because I trust that I've done the research on guys where I can get the guys that I'm going to want to put into my lineup anyways. It is not to say that like, you know, I'm, I'm smarter or better at drafting, but I trust that, Hey, like I, I know what I'm doing. Like I, I'm going to get the guys that I want later. So I'm not going to chase those big name guys. Like you said, you know, where your first linebacker is, you know, the 16th guy off the board, but you're okay slotting him in as your one. So do you find yourself being more confident in times like waiting on certain players, or is it kind of more league dependent? Uh, it's definitely more league dependent, but I, I, I don't, I honestly, I like to have, I like having big name players. I mean, I yep. like to watch football and like, it's fun to have an obscure guy that's on the come up. We all love that. That's mm-hmm. great. But at the end of the day, I want Patrick Mahomes on my team. Right. I want Nick Bosa on my team. I want to, you know, I want all that. And that's kind of what we're here for. You know, like it's cool to get a guy on the come up and it it is good to find value and you can do that. But at the end of the day, I like, again, I like having fun with fantasy football and I, I like to take good players a little bit earlier. I'm not roster guys that are fun to watch. Exactly. It's like my first couple of years playing fantasy, I was all value and I just, I didn't win. I'm not going to lie. I didn't win the first few years I played. And I was like, man, this is bunk you probably didn't win and you probably didn't like enjoy watching football because you didn't like those big Kevin Coleman isn't doing much guys like I know he's and could be an RB1 but stop Jeremy Hill get me out of here it's like 2016 so but you know and then we'll circle and then we're going to come back up to the draft thing though and then again for for uh, rookie drafts Mm. it is okay to take an IDP player at the end of the first round usually this year, Chase Young is a perfect example. He usually went at the very end of the first round, top of the second. This draft was very, very good on offense, so he did slide more often than I think he probably should have, okay. especially because this defensive line class was very weak, and okay. he was a, on a league of his own. But usually you can feel comfortable 
108 to, you know, to 205. That's where you're going to see your first IDP player go in a well-designed league. And yeah. after that, it's just like any other draft. It's what does my team need? You know, it's do I need it to fill out this spot? Do I see kind of a tear drop off? You know, do I see a guy that was good last year? And I think has a good projection or I see a guy lower down that I think is a sleeper that maybe I'll rock with him and I'll go get Marvin Jones this round. It's yep. again, it's, it's all team building. It's all how you want to approach it. And with IDP, it gives you so many different avenues on ways to get points. One thing I like to do, and I'm interested in how you do this, I used to try to build teams as well with more balance. Now, especially in Dynasty, on teams where I'm very top-heavy at a certain position, I kind of run with it. Like if I have two top-tier tight ends, I'm not necessarily trying to trade one as much as it is I'll try to flex Austin Hooper, you know, instead of try to flip him. I did that last year. Dallas Goddard, you know, and or if I'm top-heavy wide receiver, and I only have two good running backs, I'm not necessarily going to go trade for more running backs until I kind of need to. I like to play my teams to my strengths. So just because I see a run on a position, if I'm doing well somewhere else, I might double down. But, but what is your thought on that? Like just a kind of a general aside here. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. And that actually kind of leads me into another question. I was going to add that, you know, it's kind of on the fly here because I, I just thought of it. But um, to that first question, yeah, I'm totally with you. It's nice to have depth at certain areas, but I will often get trade, you know, um, trade questions from people uh, on Twitter about, hey, you know, I have like this guy who is a pretty good wide receiver. Like he's like my wide receiver six, like, you know, but my best running back is, you know, an RB 20 overall. Like, should I move him? And a lot of times it happens during the offseason. And I'm like, no, like, don't, you know, don't trade just the trade. Don't balance it out just because it looks better. Like now, right, right now or in a value chart you know, wait until suddenly, oh, okay, you know, somebody else really needs a wide receiver, you know, middle of the season, like play to those advantages because the value is going to go up. So yeah, I'm totally with you. Like if you can trot out to, you know, top seven tight ends and flex one, like not many people do that because people say, okay, I got my one. It's unconventional, but right. I yeah. I found some success. Like I said, just kind of playing to my strengths on teams and mm-hmm. It's it's I love talking game theory. I feel like that's kind of something that sometimes gets lost in fantasy, especially with the big data push we've had lately. Yeah, for sure. So my quick my quick bonus question, if you don't mind, is I was just thinking of it, like you said, um, kind of with rookie drafts. Do you find that different positions on defense have different shelf lives of productivity? Like we know in, in like the offensive side of things, like wide receivers can play and be very productive for a while. Like the shelf life for a wide receiver is long for a quarterback. It's very long. Um, we know running backs, the position turns over very quickly, whether it's because of just, you know, the wear and tear in the body or teams aren't willing to pay them at the end of the rookie contract or there's committees. And then kind of with that, like does shelf life affect players, but then are there certain players on defense or positions that take longer to, you know, adapt to the professional level? Like, you know, a rookie running back can generally hit the ground running, so to speak, right away. Um, whereas like a tight end may take three or four years to really develop into a, a fantasy worthy option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, honestly, the, they say the transition for defensive players easier than offensive players. Okay. So you usually do have uh, kind of a longer shelf life and, and a lot of times 
you can get a rookie that is highly productive mm-hmm. that'll finish top 24, which, you know, you don't see a lot. You do see it in running backs, you know, but yep. it's a lot harder for a wide receiver to push right. in that kind of area. Defensive players, it honestly just depends on if they can get on the field and they have the talent, if the coaches trust them, yep. they can be productive instantly. And then it really just comes down to injury. And if they're good at football, like if they're kind of letting tackles bleed or they have a bad attitude and they get traded a lot and they get stigmas around them and their snaps go from a 99% snap guy to a 70% snap mm-hmm. guy, that hurts them more than just the talent. Because when you're on the field, you know, you will have the opportunity anytime that your defensive player is on the field, he essentially has an opportunity to get close to the ball, you know, whereas offensive players more have the ball funneled to them. At any given moment, a defensive player could have a chance. Yeah, if the ball's coming his direction, it helps. But, you know, sometimes that's a really good point. Down. With like the defensive line, you're right. Like on any given play, like a defensive lineman or a linebacker could make a tackle. Anywhere. But like he yeah, could, anywhere on the field, like you know, especially you know those really good ball hawking, you know, defensive backs, like they're always around the ball. It seems like. But if you're an offensive player, you know, if you're a receiver and you don't get the opportunity thrown to you, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. So you get all you get like that's why a good example is uh, Daniel Hunter. I saw a play earlier today. Somebody tweeted about him like a play where he ran Todd Gurley down like 40 yards down the field that way. And his job is to get into the backfield. Mm-hmm. So like, like you see, like they have the opportunity. He shouldn't have been anywhere near that ball, but he got yep. the points for that in IDP. Yep. Right? Offensive player. Once Todd Gurley had that ball in his hand, everybody else on the field is dead, dead weight. They don't yep. mean anything for IDP. But, you know, you know, Hunter could knock that out and then somebody else could have picked it up and then there's yep. more points happening. So oh, it's, man, it this is, is cool. This is cool to think and about. It, it's so many layers. Uh, but like circling back, if you're talented and you get high, dry, high draft capital mm-hmm. and the position's available and you win a camp battle, IDP players can be productive on a top end level, sometimes right out the gate. So awesome. Devin Bush and Devin White were pretty good last year, both finished top. 25 i think top 30 at linebacker but that's like i said it's a wide receiver position so that's good yeah because you know, they have a kind of a plateau effect uh nick bosa josh allen and max crosby all finished in the top 20 at defensive line all three okay. rookies good so okay they, that's they, good to know yeah they can be productive early like kind of like linebackers can be they're not really they don't take as much time to develop they don't have to have that chemistry either with the other person you know, they, they have a job within themselves. They're an autonomous player doing an autonomous job on the field. Yeah, so it's another, it's another it, way of thinking about it. Yeah. Like if you're a good defensive lineman, like it doesn't matter if the guy next to you sucks, that's not your problem. You know, but I if mean? you're, you know, a really good receiver, but your quarterback sucks like that matters. That is your problem. That's a big problem. Yeah, okay. Yep. This so is these tough. really good guys can be highly productive, even on crappy defensive lines or with crappy teammates. Nice. All right. Um, let's see. Okay. This is one where, you know, I, I would really struggle here as a new IDP player, kind of looking at question number five that I have up here is, you know, how do you value in a trade when you mix defensive players with offensive players? Because I I just don't know. Like you said, like if somebody offered me a trade in an IDP league and Joey Bosa was, you know, part of the package, I'd be like, okay, huge name player. I know who he is. Um, I don't know how to weight him, though. So, like, what would be an example of, like, a good trade or a bad trade or things that you've maybe personally experienced, you know, learning IDP of, you know, how, how do you value those guys in trades amongst their offensive counterparts? Yeah, well, assuming PPR, you know, where a high-end player can reach up to, you know, 400 points, mm-hmm. you know, and beyond, you have to look at, again, the scoring. In an IDP one two three scoring league, the scoring is very similar. So mm-hmm. the value in a well-run league, again with eight to twelve players, should be fairly even. And again, okay. it's it's a team thing. 
it's not necessarily just this player is worth this player. It's what is any player worth to your team? Right. Devin Singletary and Michael Gallup, for instance, they still mean to me what they meant to me in January. Mm -hmm. Even though things have changed, I'm like riding with those guys. And so their value has not come down. I've had a lot of people come sniffing around to buy, but they don't want to pay what I think they're worth because to my team, they're worth that. So, you know, that's the, uh, that's the intangible part. That's the quant. That's the qualitative part of this game is you're dealing with humans too. So it is kind of, it does depend on the scoring, but it also depends on your team makeup and what is what are you trying to accomplish? Are you just trading to trade? Are you addressing the fact that you literally only have two guys at this position and I just need another guy here and I'm deep over here? Do I just want to go get Devin Singletary? And that's the ultimate thing is I don't care about this defensive player. Yep. And, you know, it's a it's a game of people still at the end of the day. And it's, does yep. this, you know, it's a team and the roster thing. And that's always why I reference people. I'm like, does your roster need that player? You know, can you afford to give up that defensive player? It's not just this, Oh, well, I'm getting an offensive player back. It's like, okay, but who are you playing in his spot now? Is it some guy that you just picked up on waivers? Cause he was the top ad at that position and you just, he's had the highest projection or is it somebody you feel confident is going to be able to replace the points you just gave away at that position right like what's your overall net gain going to be at the end of the day and it's you know it's again it's so very you know how many league people are in this league is it a 10 person league is it a 12 man league there's so many intangibles Mm -hmm. but you know in a well-run well-organized league with a good scoring system and with 8 to 12 idp players there should be a similar value offense to defense now super flex obviously we know quarterbacks you can't do a trade for a quarterback without another quarterback right no one's going to equal that you know what i mean but again you just have to understand that just like that you just have to understand the concept of this player means this to my team so it depends on your team what you need and ultimately what are you trying to accomplish am i getting better at position am i getting better at both positions yep. am I, do i have too many good guys that i have somebody on my bench that i need to play you know it comes down to your team a lot of times yeah you you brought up a really good point that kind of made me reflect on a lot of the trade questions that I get, you know, from, you know, offensive fantasy football. So I'm just going to start referring to it now instead of defensive fantasy football. Um, but, you know, I'll get a trade question where it's like, hey, you know, these two guys for these two guys and just in a vacuum. And yeah. I, I can never answer the question in a vacuum. I always have to throw it back and say one quarterback or super flex, you know, how many people are in your league? um send me a roster like you know it takes more work because but i need to know these things if i want to give you an informed, um, answer. an informed answer and this is you know even more but like you said you hit on so many other good points because they could send me all of those things but if i want to give like the perfect answer i'd have to know like every roster in the league i would have to know you know who are some of the favorite players of every owner? Like you'd have to get into like the, the human side of the game, which mm-hmm. it's really hard to give objective advice. And like, I feel kind of guilty about that because I want to give the best advice that I can. And thankfully most people are pretty understanding and they're like, yep. Okay. And like, well, what would you do if this was your league? I'll be like, well, I like this guy maybe more than you. Like you said, I value a certain player higher where no, I'm probably not going to move this guy. Even if the price on paper is fair, you know, and yeah, yeah it, it, it's cool because you bring a, a whole other layer into this and it's it's fun. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, once you get into an IDP league and you do look at a roster and you scroll down past that flex guy and there's a whole other set of yeah. whole other can of worms. I mean, the game is it's so much more intense. It's so much more fun. It's so much more involved and you have so many more ways to win. 
you can win off of just so many different actions. Like but you I said, did, Monday, night fo- Monday night football, when you have like four defensive guys, it gets way more fun. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, it just it gives you more outs, more options, you know, and, yep. and it gives you some, your, your opponent something else to worry about. Um, so I did include a couple of just random examples of like trades. So sure. yeah, yeah. I, I actually threw this one out to a few of my buddies that are in some IDP leagues. And I was like, just in a, you know, a, an IDP one, two, three league PPR DK Metcalf or Nick Bosa, which I kind of thought both came in last year, both yep. rookies, both potentially going to be really, really great football players for a long time, mm-hmm. both at different positions. We know wide receiver can be a little bit deeper, you know? Yep. But we can't deny the upside that is DK Metcalf. Same thing with Nick Bosa. So I thought it was a great question in a vacuum. And I was surprised, but almost everybody said Nick Bosa. And I think it comes back to what we talked about earlier. Just like, I feel confident that I can get another guy like DK Metcalf on my team some way, some way, somehow. And the, 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 uh, the aside to that was you couldn't trade them their entire career. It's a dynasty Mm -hmm. forever. Super long. And they said, Nick Bosa, and they said, I feel like I could replace DK Metcalf at some point later. And I don't know if I could do that with Nick Bosa just because of what we've already seen from him, the upside that he's flashed in his rookie year. Right. And so that's like an example of an elite player and an elite player, even a defensive elite player can be valued above an elite, especially a guy like DK Metcalf where the ceiling is so high. They can be in a properly scored league with a similar value and that makes it you know again it's a it's a roster construction thing and it makes it so interesting to have cornerstone pieces that aren't necessarily just wide receivers and running backs Mm -hmm. maybe my team is completely anchored by my defensive line right yeah and And, no like how like offensive-minded people would look at that and you know especially people that are very high on dk metcalf but like you said you know what we know right now, yeah, he definitely has wide receiver one upside, but in a low passing volume offense, I don't even think he's the wide receiver one on his own team right now. You could be like, look, you know, he's he's a wide receiver two with upside. Like, not that you can find those anywhere, but you can kind of find those. Like, they're way easier to replace than mm-hmm. someone who could potentially be a true difference maker on your defensive line like Bosa. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yep. Those are <clears throat> that's the end of the five questions, right? I think at the end here, I put some kind of common mistakes I thought we could, yeah, absolutely. like for a new guy, like what are things you know that you see that I should avoid or mistakes that you see people making frequently? Yeah, well, one of the things I had was uh, you know, people waiting too long for defensive players, mm-hmm. um, and then ending up with guys they don't know, they have no connection to, no attachment right. to, and don't care about. That's not fun. You know, and I've seen people kind of be like, I don't want to play IDP because I don't know who these people are. I'm like, that's because you spent all this time loading up on the, you know, these third and fourth running backs and these five and six wide receivers. Mm -hmm. And now you're stuck with people that, yeah, they aren't make, they aren't fun to watch. They're plotters. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? You're watching Eddie Lacy out here. Like, oh man, Eddie Lacy of defense. Nobody's happy with that. So I encourage people to draft, you know, some guys that they kind of know, especially I'm a, I, I like playing Homer ball too. I love going KC super stack. I've actually won leagues going Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. And I mean, just like first, second, third oh, round yeah. I last year like that. I'm like, just give me the offense. Give me the points. I'll figure out everything else later. Like, yep. and you can ride with, you know, so I'm, I'm I like Homer picks, you know, especially on defense. Who, who's your team, by the way? Uh, Green Bay Packers. There you go, Zadarius Smith. If you were in an IDP league, I would encourage you to take Zadarius Smith. He's a yeah. total monster on defense. He had a major 
to watch last year. season. I mean, just as a fan, and yeah, I didn't know anything about IDP, but man, he was fun to watch. He was great. He was a total beast. We love we love Zadarius Smith on this show. We thought he should have at least gotten a few uh, Defensive Player of the Year votes. I don't even know if he was really nominated. That's he, did, he didn't get first team All Pro either. Which did you see the the snubbed in the yep. postseason? Yep. Yeah. He was telling him he knew he was going to get that sack too. That's why he wore that he shirt. Knew. Yep. So it just you know IDP is a whole other layer of the game. Um, another one of the common mistakes is not looking at your scoring beforehand. So some people will go in assuming one or another. Mm-hmm. You, you really have to look and get your bearings. I mean, people say that's an offense too. I feel like this is something we have to always say, but it's like, know your scoring. You know, you can't just assume value from league to league to league because every league is a unique oh, ecosystem yeah. and a unique set of people and a unique set of rules and a unique set of rosters. And they change year to year too. I mean, people talk, you know, leagues, both things in and out. You have to keep up with that and be aware. And it's more important even now that you have a second roster of defensive players to be aware of what your league is doing and how it's set up. That's almost like inexcusable for me, like just in any format. Like if you go in and you don't even take the time to know, like that's like the most basic thing I feel like is like, how do I get points? True. Like, but I mean, you're newbies, you know, they're like, oh, I know football. I can win a fantasy right. league. You know what I mean? Right. You got to think yep. about that guy. That's the guy we're talking to right yep, now. Yep. I understand that. Hey, man, pump the brakes here. Just look at their scoring real fast. Just 30 seconds. I yep. promise you won't Scared. regret it. Yep. <laughs> um, and then those designations, you know, in some leagues, uh, IDP guys don't all have the same designations. Uh, some outside linebackers are double tagged, like on Sleeper, for instance. Some guys are double tagged as DL and linebacker, so it gives you flexibility on your roster. Okay. Whereas in uh, you know ESPN, some guy, guys only have usually one tag. Some guys will have two, but it's a lot more strict on there or on MFL. MFL is very strict. It's just you have one tag, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and that's pretty rare for an offensive player to get like a dual tag. Like it almost never happens. So if it does, people are really like, wow. But I feel like it never actually makes that big of a difference on offense. We're like, you no. know. It, if a Taysom Hill is suddenly like a quarterback, like and a running back, like no one's going to start him anyway. So I feel like on offense, it doesn't make that big of a difference, but I can see how that would really matter for IDP. Yeah, it gives you, you know, flexibility. It's now can I can play a guy who's technically a pass rusher in a linebacker spot mm-hmm. on a week where I have, you know, it's week 11, you know, week 10, week 11, I have to win. So yep. I'm going for the upside. I'm going to play that one other guy. I'm going to take out this bread and butter linebacker that's going to get some tackles. And I'm going to put in a guy who might, like Zadarius Smith, he's double tagged on sleeper. Just who go might, who might just go off and mm-hmm. take me over the edge. So I like sleeper because they do have dual designations. A lot of the other ones though just have one. Okay, but it's important to know that because it you know gives you the idea of okay, this guy. If I miss on this linebacker and this linebacker, I wouldn't normally think about this guy as a linebacker, mm-hmm. but here he's double tagged, so I could you know fill in the gaps there. So yeah, it's I love important it. to kind of take a look at that. I've actually I need to put up a up a resource with all the guys on sleeper that are double tagged. I've been thinking about doing that. Somebody needs to. That'll probably be me. Perfect. But that's but it, that is one of the other common mistakes just not knowing your designations. So, you know, you have to do your research and it's platform to platform to platform. NFL, mm-hmm. ESPN, NFL, Yahoo, they're all a little different. I mean, we've all played in different platforms by now too. We know, yep. you know, you kind of know to to peek around things and kind of get your bearings and they all do kind of have unique little bits about them and it's no different for IDP. So just kind of get your bearings and know what's, what's going to be happening in your league. And the last thing I will say in IDP, which is a huge mistake people make is drafting corners, superstar corners. Mm -hmm. If you're a really good corner in the NFL, generally speaking, your quarterback is going to try to avoid you. 
which mm-hmm. means you will be getting less opportunities. The ball will be coming your direction just less than the guy who plays across from you. So if yep. you do go corners, you kind of want to try to find the guy who plays opposite of a really good corner. Unless you really, truly believe that this guy is special. Like Marcus Peters, for instance, he has so many interceptions that you can, if you want to play for a home run, his his history of playing in the league just shows that he is a good chance to get a bunch. Yep. Davius White is another guy that's kind of like that. So if you if you are going to play corners, there are a few exceptions, but usually you want to stay away from superstars like Patrick Peterson or Xavier Rhodes or Jalen Ramsey because generally quarterbacks will try to avoid throwing towards them to their side of the field, just kind of get away from that kind of like landmine. So they generally, even though they're the bigger names in NFL football, they are one of the worst IDP assets because less things try to be ha- be forced their direction just as game plan. So yeah, I can totally see that. You know, in thinking of a, a defensive back that's like you know you can set a shutdown corner and you look at the receiver stat line. Oh well, this guy shut down this receiver. This receiver only had like two catches for ten yards all game. Like and they stopped targeting him. They just said screw that. We're not going right. over there anymore. We're totally move away from him. So that. That's cool because, like, we talked about how on any given play, like, you know, defensive linemen and um, linebackers could really be anywhere near the ball in any given play. And the same thing for defensive backs. But if you're truly in coverage and the ball never comes to you, I mean, you could have a pretty quiet game defensively, even if you are. I mean, so you're almost penalized for being that good at your job. Yep. And that's something that IDP, we've, you know, the community has tried to figure out a way around but just the nature of how points are scored mm-hmm. it makes it really hard the only oh, some people do bring up pass deflections to four or five points just to try to and, break that gap a little bit and that does because even if you just get two maybe it kind of at least gets you into a point where you can make a difference if they you know if they do completely go away from you even if you had an early opportunity mm-hmm. it gives you a chance to have some points but that can also lead to some corners that just blow up because they just get picked on like Logan Ryan this last year, who was defensive back one scored like 40, 50 points more than the next highest cornerback because he just got picked on, but he was a great IDP asset, but he was picked on because he was a little bit slow in coverage, but that's good because the guy would catch it and he'd make a tackle. So he had tons of tackles for a corner because he was picked on for being a crappy corner. Like, so cornerbacks don't get penalized. Like if the guy they're covering just goes off for like 200 yards receiving and two touchdowns. We, there's, I, I don't know if you can do that in leagues or not. I think there are some leagues that are customizable to that degree, but I haven't played in any like that personally uh, yet. But that is something that, you know, but again, we're talking to an intro to IDP. That's definitely getting into the weeds. Now you can see yeah. where your brain would start, you know, kind of the God brain meme, like, Oh boy, like here yeah. you go. But they're, through this now a little bit more like like said you know he got picked on because he maybe wasn't the best guy but he just racked up points for idp i mean it's kind of the same thing with like Jameis winston in fantasy football last year like amen the dude is like not a great nfl quarterback but you knew that on top of the three interceptions you were going to get 450 yards and four touchdowns yep blake bortles from a few years back i mean like you don't have to necessarily be good to score and Mm -hmm. that's true on both sides of the balls so i like that this is good, man. This is yep. the wheels are turning now, man. I might have to start looking into this a little bit more seriously. Yeah, you should. And then, so, you know, like I said, some people play in five 
five uh, position leagues, and that is getting a little more into the weeds. And some people do have scoring premiums, so certain positions will get their scores boosted, kind of like tight end premiums, to make them more relevant. Yep. But I find that that can be again like intimidating and challenging and a little overwhelming. So that's why I kind of promote and created IDP one two three scoring just to kind of help people ease in play in one of these leagues, learn the general flow and feel of the game, mm-hmm. and then go into the weeds. Go get in a crazy league that has, you know, 32 teams, two copy. Oh, I mean, go wild, you know, have fun with it. But that can be intimidating to do your first in your first inning. And it can, you know, when you you don't want to get your spirit crushed, you know, you don't right. want to bat- – not everybody loves a baptism by fire. Some people do. <laughs> Some people, yeah. that, that moves them away. And they're like, oh, I played an IDP once. It's not for me. And that always breaks my heart because I'm like, man, I, I just when you say that, I know the league, the, the type of league you probably played in. And mm-hmm. I, know we, I know we can do better. So right. that's kind of where, you know, this conversation came about. That's kind of why I'm so happy that you were willing to come on and talk about IDP, learn about IDP, represent the every man out there, you know, yep. content creator and IDP fantasy football player and say, you know, step out into a league this year. It's, you know, it's still July you can still find a redraft league that is IDP. They're out there. I'm going to be hosting a couple more for our IDP 411 listeners. If you guys want to hop in and for anybody's listening, just, you know, play in one for fun. You know, don't have to be for money and just, you know, start one yourself. Get some right. of your friends and be like, hey, guys, let's let's get crazy. Let's just do something weird, you know, and just give it a whirl. And, you, and most people that I have encouraged to do this or that I have found that have stepped into it have loved it. Like it's, you know, it's almost a 10 to one, like hey, it's not for me. Like if it's a well-designed IDP league, it's yep. like finding fantasy football all over again. Like I know that's, that's cool. That's kind of what's like, you know, it's that rediscovery of something so new. It's like a whole other, whole other yeah. world of it. Yeah. It's like that seventh Harry Potter book finally coming out. Like, let's do this one last time. Yep. One last, you know, we, we got, you know, we had our standard leagues and we got PPR and we got super flex and we got tight end premium. And it's like, all right, let's kick the door in on IDP. Let's go one last yep. time. I love let's it. Get, yep. So um, I appreciate you coming on. That's, I feel like we pretty much covered everything I had thought about it. If you have any more questions about IDP or, or just anything in general, we said maybe that I didn't explain well or articulate or. No, man, this is great. Thank you so much for having me on. I learned a ton. Um, I felt I had some pretty decent questions coming in of things that I knew that I didn't know. And I think you talked, I think you touched on it pretty well at the beginning of the show, like just, you know, being okay, not knowing, you know, just being, being willing to dive in and being willing to learn. But I really, really appreciate as somebody who's brand new to IDP, kind of the, the effort that you're making to make it more consumable and more open and more accessible to the average fantasy football player. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like I said before we came on, that's kind of my ethos in the space right now is to mm-hmm. bring more awareness and get people, you know, to that last frontier and that last push and, you know, rediscover it again and just have fun with it. You know, you really are only playing half the game if you're not playing IDP because there's so many players out there that's doing true. so many cool things and you can, you know, you can take it to a whole new level. So I preach, like I said, I appreciate you coming on, Sam. IDP Army, you can find Sam's work at Rotoviz, right? Correct. Yes, sir. He, uh, this guy's a machine. If you guys are on Twitter, I'm sure you know that. So go check out his work, support the guy and he's supporting IDP right now. So we appreciate him. And that is all for me guys. So until next time, let's go, let's go, let's go. In a wormhole, probably about to burn. In a white tunnel, are you ever going to learn? See a land, probably going to merge. Going to be dead laying in the dirt. Funny how you smart, but you still a nerd. Play your part, world going turn.